this boy serious fun episode one uno out the gate <laughs> it's gonna be a ball i'm here with, well first of all it's your boy brooks what's going on y'all this is dave aka aka ready, ready dave. dave aka chopper dave aka uncle moon you might find out more about him later who knows we're also joined by mike schwartz mike the schwartz aka mike drop aka hype mike AKA the short stop. Oh boy. And oh we got boy. a live audience too. Yeah, Our we, buddy Nate Nate Gar- Nate in the house. <laughs> in the house. The hand. What up? Bum, bum, bum. Oh, man. What are we talking about, boys? Well, first of all, I think that it'll be really prudent and valuable to talk about how this show is gonna operate. Okay, we gotta set the scene. We gotta let people know what we're gonna be doing. Because this is going to be a completely different format than what most of our homies are used to. Mm-hmm. Listen, we we love the we love the conversation podcast, don't we, Dave? Of course, of course. One of my favorite things to do. And you're 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 a, you're a heck of an interview, Thank an you. interviewer. Thank you, sir. Okay, so that's a great format, and mm-hmm. we love it. But everybody's doing it, mm-hmm. and and we just decided we were going to do something different. I mean, look at these look at these tracksuits. Clearly. If you get to see the, the video version of this, we showed up in our tracksuits, our matching. Dave got me a matching tracksuit top. You yep. sick son of a bitch. Yep. Okay, so here's how the show's going to operate. We're actually going to do this in blocks. We're going to have an A block today where we're going to discuss a serious conversation. The thing you need to know is that Dave, keep in mind, Dave has literally no idea. <laughs> I know nothing. <laughs> He needs to be ready, Dave, because Brooks is going to be bringing some shit to the show, and uh, Dave's going to need to be ready. He has no idea, so that's that's what part part of what's going to make the show fun is. I'm going to get to hit Dave with some real awesome shit and just have him react in real time, and that's my favorite, Dave. So then we're going to take a break after the serious conversation. We're going to move into something called a producer segment. I will save all of that for the producer segment today, but we'll break into a producer segment, and then we're going to go into a B block. We're going to have some fun. Okay, that's what the show is about. And then we'll do one last break and then we'll preview the next show and give you something to think about in between now and the next one because you're going to want to keep listening. I can guarantee you we're going to be bringing stuff into the conversation that no one else in our friend circle for sure and uh, out in the airwaves is bringing in. So that's how the show is going to operate. But why? Why are we here? I'll tell you why we're here. I am here to provide a macro view. We have a lot of people that are specialists in their field mm-hmm. and they have those conversations on the podcast. Mm-hmm. We've heard them, right? But they talk about very specific things and they go really deep into specific things. But what we're going to do is we're going to try to help dispel some of the things that are going on in the world by providing macro context. And then we're going to make fun of that shit. Love it. We're going to make fun of it. It's going to be fun. You know why? Why is that? Because mockery is literally the best tool that we have to dismantle the psychopaths that are trying to make decisions on our behalf. Mockery. And like our buddy Mark England says, laugh at the devil and he will run away. So we are definitely going to be laughing at the devil on on this show. And guess what, y'all? We're going to say the quiet parts out loud. My favorite. Oh. The stuff you can't say on the Instagram. Quote, unquote, can't. Can't. So it's too hot. It's too hot for Instagram. That's for sure. That's why we're doing it on this show. Okay. 
So now, now back to your question, Mike the Schwartz. You mm. said, what is this show about? Mm -hmm. What is this show about? Well, yeah. it's called The Nudge Department. Any idea, Dave? I literally have no idea what we're doing here, talking about this particular subject at all. So all right. okay, okay. catching so, me out the gate. So here's what I'm going to do with the... I'm going to have Mike pull up the first clip in a second. Yep. This is from an interview that I did with our buddy Matt Gallo on the Fit for Adventure podcast. I fucking love so, Matt. Fucking love Matt. How's great he doing? Guy. So he, I think he's doing great. <laughs> he seems to be doing great. He's got a new child. Um, that seems Beautiful. to be awesome. So this is going to both set up the conversation today, and it's also going to set up like why the show exists as well. So go ahead and roll nudge department start. Listen All right. up. All right, here we go. If you study business, then you undoubtedly will one day saunter on into reading a marketing book. Mm -hmm. A marketing book is a book about how to influence people, and the surefire way to influence people is to use the right words. You couple the right words with the right images and the right sounds, you got a nice little cocktail for influence. And in fact, there are entire departments, and I want people to understand this, there are entire departments of people, really smart, like insane genius level people. Uh, and not so genius level people that study a line of techniques that can, when done properly, supplant an, an, a memory into your brain and excise one out without your knowledge or consent. And there are actually government departments around the world that are open and they're public knowledge. Uh, in England, it's called the nudge department. Nudge, just to give you a little push, just, mm -hmm. to, just to give you a little push. Yeah, that, that exists. And the way it exists to, everywhere. And the way to free yourself, in a sense, or to provide a lot more security uh, over your own personal domain is to know, at least know that these That's things exist. Gotta know go. that they exist, Dave. Did you know that there were departments that are intentionally trying to nudge you into decisions without your consent? First thing I thought was those fucking bastards. Who are they? I don't know who they are. They're they're, they're government bastards. I don't know. People who are out here trying to influence us without our knowledge, without our consent. Consent is a very important thing. All right. Consent is sexy, but like, can you think of any areas of our life where people are trying to nudge us into behaviors without our consent? Oh, Lord. <laughs> many, many health, wellness, business, uh, financial, I mean, food, pharmaceuticals, over and over and over. Now, before you start throwing around terms like conspiracy theorists my way. I'm a conspiracy realist. You better come prepared, because <laughs> I did. I fucking came prepared. I am going to, by the end of this episode, prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is going on. Okay? That is the entire point of this episode. That's a bold and, statement. And is actually to pull it down, to pull it down into things that are real, that you can look up on your own. You can find them on the regular Google webs. Okay. You really have a, a, the nudge department is real in Britain? I'm, oh, we're going to we're gonna get oh there. You got, the, you got the Whoa. goggles on. Wow. Okay? He's seeing in the future. But yes, yes, we're going to get there. But the, but the place to start, this is the place to start. I said in that clip, if you ever read a marketing book, you'll, you'll start to understand some of these concepts that the best way to influence people is with the right words and symbols. The godfather of modern marketing is a man named Edward Bernays. Dave, 
Do yeah. you know this name? Never heard of him. Never heard of him? Never heard of him. Is that right? It's, it's, it's as far as I know. All right, so Edward, let me, let me kind of break down who this dude is. First of all, what you need to know is Edward Bernays is actually the nephew of a guy named Sigmund Freud. Have you ever heard of him? I've heard of him. Who is he? Sigmund Freud is the father of psychology? Yes. Yes. Okay. He is the father of modern psychology. Modern psychology. It's exactly <laughs> right. What the fuck was that? <laughs> I was trying to figure out the word psychology. I was like, yeah, that's the word I was looking for. Perfect. Okay. And psychologists study what? Psychologists study uh, the mind and yeah, the brain and interactions between people, what you think, et cetera. Exactly. So, so first thing you need to know about Edward Bernays is that he comes from a family that revolutionized modern psychology, which, as we just named, is the study of the mind. I'm two for two, by the way. Two for two. So he became, he became <laughs> known, Edward Bernays became known as sort of the, in the same way that Sigmund Freud was known as the godfather of modern-day psychology, Edward Bernays became notorious as being the godfather of modern marketing. Some good genes. Modern marketing and public relations. Okay, so here's what you need to take away about PR and marketing is that it was a word swap for something that already existed called propaganda. Oh, yeah. It's literally the same thing, but they changed the word when it became associated with a particular group. You want to take a guess on who that group is? The Nazis. Nazis. Nazis use propaganda. So that word became like a, it had a, it had a, a mark on it and you can't use that word. So Edward Bernays was like, all right, we'll just call it something else. Oh, shit. They'll start to play the mind trick of calling it something else. And this is going to be something that will come up. The word gets a little bit used in a way that you don't like so much and it takes away your power. So you redefine what words are or you use a word swap in order to mask or hide the fact that it's still the same thing. It's literally the same thing. It is the same tactic and it is still being used today by the, uh, another name. And that is, yeah, PR, <laughs> public relations. All right. But, but next, uh, nudging is a thing. It's a real thing. It's a term that is used in behavioral science, which is deeply studied. So I want to make sure that, again, the whole point, I'm going to prove that this exists. Next clip I want is from a guy named Richard Thaler. He wrote a book called Nudge. And in this clip, he's going to define nudge. So this is nudge defined. Here we go. Nudge is any small feature in the environment that attracts our attention and influences the, the behavior that we make. Nudging is done by what we call a choice architect, which is a fancy term for anyone who influences the choices that you make. Take the example of the cafeteria downstairs. Somebody had to decide where to put the salad bar, where to put the burgers, where to put the ice cream, where to put the coffee. That person is a choice architect because the arrangement of the food influences the choices that we make. Makes sense to me. And it starts with something as simple as, you know, what order you put your food in. Now, there's a couple of terms in there that we're going to get into. One of them is choice architect. But before we even get into the choice architect angle of this, like, what's your first gut reaction about nudging? As it just... At the basic level, what's the ethics of nudging? 
I mean, you're, you're pointing someone in, in a direction you want them to go. And, you know, as far as setting up the lines in the supermarket, you know, I like, I'm good with that. Right. Like I'm fine with that. Right. Uh, when it goes beyond things that uh, turn into, I guess, more impact for influential decisions, that's where I can see nudging going in a particular way that is not cool with anymore. You know, I don't care whether I see the salad bar first or the whatchamacallit, you know, second, but this can get hairy really quickly. I believe we call that a slippery slope. A slippery slope indeed. And it is very, very slippery because this is how they, in this is how, institutions, mental institutions. And let me discuss who I am to to even just have this conversation in general. Yeah, who are you, guy? All right. So who are you? Why why is this important? Okay. So in something to keep in mind about Brooks Meadows, in 2010, he stepped on the campus of a a university called Yonsei University. From here on out, you only have to talk in third person, by the way. I know. (laughs) I really like that, actually. That's a good idea. So Brooks... Young Brooks shows up. He's a he's just a kid from Memphis, and he shows up to an international, internationally rec- acclaimed university. It's on par with the Ivy Leagues of of the United States, and feeling a bit like a fish out of water. I got exposed to some conversations in the academic lineage of being an NBA student that caused some like little eyebrow raises, like. Wait, this isn't an ethics class. Are we really having a conversation about something called a nag factor? Have you ever heard of the nag factor? Nope. Nag factor is a term that was used in marketing. And the reason that it was used is because commercials and companies would try to instigate children uh, to yes. nag their parents yep. in order to make a buying decision. You know what's wild about this? Can I jump in real quick? So yeah. uh, today, this is one of the big issues that we have with social media because before... Uh, when social media didn't exist, companies and advertisers had to do exactly that. It was they had to advertise to the parents in order, or I guess advertise to the kids through the television that the par- that they knew they were going to watch, that they can get the parents to, to make the decisions for them. And now, you know, 12-year-olds with Snapchat and, you know, TikTok and shit, the advertisements can go directly to them as opposed, and bypassing the parents' decisions. So this is very interesting. Keep going. Well, this is... What I'm trying to establish is that these ideas are accepted from a scientific perspective. They become embedded in our culture as accepted practices through things like science. Okay, Mm -hmm. So when you are studying the science, you take the emotion out of it. And of course, there are ethics classes and lines here. But as we're going to see, things are always introduced to us to make things more convenient and to make things safer. Even on these small, oh, it's more convenient to know to put the salad in front of the burger because we're trying to influence people into some more healthy behaviors, okay? So these, this permeates every area of your life. And if you don't know that it exists, then you can't make that line. Mm-hmm. You can't establish what your boundary is if you don't yet know that this thing exists. So nudging is happening in many and in fact, pretty much all areas of your life. But by whom? Who are these choice architects? What are these choice architects? So we're going to go to the next clip. It's the same guy, the guy that wrote the book on, uh, on Nudge, Richard Thaler, and this is called Choice Architects. Some people worry that uh, the idea of choice architects and nudging is somehow leading to Big Brother. 
And that's not the way we think about it. One of the points we stress in the book is that there has to be some choice architecture. So the person who designs that cafeteria downstairs has to put the food somewhere. The salad has to be in front of the burgers or behind the burgers. Given that you have to arrange the food in some order, we argue, why not have the choice architect arrange the food in such a way that people will be happier and healthier and maybe live a little longer. Okay, yeah. Again, it, this is a slippery slope because it starts with the idea that I, as the choice architect, know better how to set you up to make decisions than you do. Totally, and it's the intention of the choice architect because that choice architect could have put the Twinkies in front of the salad because the Twinkies are, you know, sell more, you know, or are more expensive or whatever it may be. And so the, the, we may be thinking that people have our best interests in mind, these, these companies, these corporations, these choice architects, these nudgers, right? And uh, <laughs> as, we, as we know, very rarely is health at the forefront of the conversation or the intention when the vast majority of these individuals are making these choices. Yes, and again, I, I want to anchor in that the most important, the linchpin of this is that there are people who believe that it is their virtue and right to then be the person who makes these types of decisions on your behalf. Yeah, to dictate it. Yeah. Because the fundamental belief is that they know better than you do. So oh. they have a right to, quote, reign supreme. <laughs> and we're going to get into things like white supremacy on future episodes of this show and dismantling what it is and what it isn't. There are people that believe that they are supreme to the average common folk, and it is their duty, their obligation to make choices on your behalf no to thanks. make your life more convenient and more safe. But, but, but who, who believes these sorts of things? Brooksy, Tell me why. <laughs> Please, tell me why. We get into that? We're going to get to it. Oh. I can, I, well, we're going to get to why, but, but we'll have to get to how. But okay. I just want to talk about who are, just like open discussion, who are the main choice architects in our life? Mm, I mean, uh, governments, national, federal, state, local, uh, you've got... I mean, choice architects, if you're talking parents for kids, you know, parents would be key choice architects for children, for their children, right? Teachers, bosses. Uh, obviously, you've got these marketing folks who are out here working for these companies and corporations. And then you've got the deep state and the, the this is where we get into the conspiracy realisms, you know, the people in the shadows doing shadowy things. Or people out in front that you just choose not to see. Oh, yeah, mainstream media folks, people. Google, yeah. Yeah. Meta, yep, yep, Amazon, yep. mainstream media. They, when you go to Google, you type in a search. They are the architects of the choices that you see. Mm -hmm. Okay, so they are by default your choice architect when it comes to looking things up on the internet if you're using Google. Yep. If you're on Instagram, if you're on Facebook, Meta is deciding what you're going to see and when. All right. These people, Amazon is especially like you look up a product on Amazon or even on Google and Amazon makes their way up to the top. It's because they've learned how to infiltrate 
and then actually become to put themselves as middlemen of your decision making to become architects of your choices. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mainstream media has it, it's like the jig is up as far as you know them being choice architects. It's getting really clear that they are trying to uh, nudge you mm-hmm. into p- particular decisions because they believe it is their duty. That is the this is the critical part. And they get paid a lot of money from other other people. They're they're propagated and lobbied for for funds and with dollars. Absolutely. Yes. So now we know who they are. Just think about what you'd Apple is another great example. You know, Apple gives you a set of choices on your iPhone, right? You get on uh, a, a map and you go, go for a drive, right? Somebody is architecting the choices that are made on how to get you from two backwards and forwards. So again, we just needed to establish that these, there are choice architects and they are nudging you. But how are they nudging you? So for this, if you really want to understand the level that they're starting to infiltrate without your knowledge or consent, we need to talk about native ads. Do you know what a native ad is? I do not. Okay, perfect. So that'll be a great... Let's, let's start with native ads one. So what is a native ad? What makes an ad native? Again, native advertising is a form of paid media where the ad experience follows the form and function of the user experience in which it is placed. In other words, if you are on a blog, then the advertisements will look like some of the other blog content. Now, it'll say sponsored, right? Or if you're in Facebook, you know, how many of you guys are in Facebook and now you see these in-feed ads, right? You see the sponsored posts. The great CTR decline, the great click-through rate decline. Click-through rates have been on a dramatic downtrend really since the very first banner ad impression was recorded. The very first time there was a banner ad on a website, people clicked on it. The next day, less people clicked on it. When, uh, I mean, it's, that, that's just, that, that's how it always goes. And then it, it goes on a steady decline. Advertisers and, and media companies have to innovate and figure out new ways to get people's um, attention. Because again, banner blindness is a very real thing. Native ads being something that blends in to look like other things or blends in to look like the thing that uh, you're actually there to see. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So it, you could call it camouflage. Yep. It's camouflaged advertising. Yep. It's okay. when, you, when you go to Amazon, the first 10 things are sponsored you know, products. Right, but those aren't camouflage. Yeah. Those aren't native ads. Got it. An, uh, an example of a native ad, think about it like you're, on a new, you're watching a news story, and the news story is about some people's houses getting robbed. Okay? Mm-hmm. So the whole thing is that you think you're about to watch a news story about some houses getting robbed, but then they show you images and clips that are taken from a ring doorbell camera. Mm. And in the bottom right is a ring advertisement, but it's not an advertisement. You just know that you're looking at a ring footage. (laughs) Ring paid for that native ad. They paid for the news story. That is a native ad. This segment's brought to you by Pfizer. No, that again, I'll take it. That's not a native ad. (laughs) If they are telling you this segment is brought to you by Pfizer, it's not native. It's meant to, because they tell you that it's, 
segment that it's brought to you by native ads are hidden yeah. in camouflage. Got it, got it, got it. You don't know that they're an ad. And the way that they do that is to set it up to look like something else, like a news story. Mm. Okay. Mike, can you turn my, my headphones just down just a little bit? These clips are coming through just a tad loud. It's hot, hey? It's a little it's hot. hot. Let me, it's let too me, hot. Let's, let me bring just like this conversation. It's too better? hot. Is that better for you? Fire. Fire. Here, let me bring you all down. Is that good? Too far. Too far. Just oh, a tad too far. Now, yeah, yeah. I know yeah, it's finicky. Perfect. Right, like, there we go. Look that at these looks prima fucking donnas over here. First night. First <sighs> night. Nice giving lady. me a hard time. Come on. Come <laughs> on, it? buds. I remember Come my on. first podcast. Yeah, exactly, boys. You're fucking ten ply, bud. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, Mike, what does it mean to be ten ply in Canadian? Oh, fuck. In Canadian? Okay. Yeah. So you know, like when you're wiping your butt toilet paper and and you got the single ply stuff that's that's tough that's rough stuff that's, rough. Out, that's out in the woods that's you're like book sometimes it's a napkin <laughs> right you're like fuck this but then you get like double like you get like that charmin that standard like two two ply that's nice that's nice that's awesome it's it's pretty soft guys 10 ply take that and add eight right like that's fucking super soft Right, so I mean, ten ply is just as it sounds. You're fucking ten ply, bud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can be a little soft sometimes. I'm soft. All right, we got. Uh, I want to get deeper into the native ad. Run native ads too. I hopefully we won't blast your brain this time here. Hey, we go. That so either you want to stick out like a sore thumb or you want to blend in, but you don't want to blend in to where you just look like another boring banner ad. You want to blend in and look like content. And native advertising is the ultimate reflection of that because you're not just blending in looking like content, you're blending in becoming content, okay? Um, and like I said, nobody wants this. Nobody wants to turn Pinterest into this. And this is what you have to do if you really wanna get click-through rates back up, you gotta surround the content with ugly, obnoxious ads. Nobody wants that. So we talked about this morning, native advertising is the thing that is coming on board that is gonna change this and make it a lot easier. Gave these stats this morning, but it's really good to reiterate. Consumers look at native ads 52% more than traditional banner ads. 52% more than traditional banner ads. These were eye-tracking studies that were done. That's impressive. But what's more impressive is that consumers look at native ads more than editorial content. The native advertisements on these websites that have started running native advertisements get looked at more than the actual editorial content. And the reason is, is that it's marketers producing the headlines. Whoa. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like they're making native ads more interesting. How? He said it in the clip. Uh, through fucking eye tracking. They're tracking your eyes. Yeah. Now, we consent to that, right? We consent to that in the terms and conditions in order to participate in said meta instagram twitter whatever we do consent to that and i know that like if we're taking what we would call personal responsibility we need to know that we're consenting to it it's very rare that we read the terms and conditions but just so you know and again the whole episode the point of the serious conversation was to prove in no uncertain terms that you were trying to be nudged they're studying as much as where you're looking on your screen through your phone they're collecting that data and they are using they know how the brain works. I'm, I'm going to prove that by, by bringing in a different segment later in the show, but I'm going to prove that they know 
the information on how to uh, implant ideas into your brain and get you to believe that it's your idea. And the way that most of that is occurring is through native ads. You don't even know that it's a native ad. And because they know how your brain works and because they know where you're looking, they know exactly how to push the right button at the right time and turn the dial just the right way. Uh, this upsets me. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is a part of the reason why I got a light phone, right? A hundred percent, right? They, uh, like, it works. This works. Like, the iPhone is addictive. It's addictive as can be. You know, the, uh, the apps are addictive. The, you know, pulling it up, they're very bright lights. The colors are, like, more blue and more green and more purple than fucking regular blues and greens and purples, you know? And so, um, yeah, I, I made a conscious choice a month ago to step away from my daily iPhone use and get a dumb phone, essentially, that just calls and texts so that I uh, don't, am not subjected to those native hidden ads all the time. And even though you didn't know before the show the technical terms and the fact that it was, you knew, though, that you were being influenced without yeah. out your consent. Yeah. Yeah. They got me. You know, I don't even say it. Like, they got me. And they get us all. I, I don't want to make judgment on any person that finds himself. Think about it like smoking. Most people know smoking cigarettes are bad. Is this new information? No, but, but we consent to a certain level of risk knowingly, but even in like the history of that, like it had to be pried out of these motherfuckers that it was actually bad for us. And that went on for years. We had to pry it out of these companies, but now we know, and now we consent at our own level. You know, there was a, uh, uh, in, I think it was early 1950s, 1952. Don't quote me on that, but it's what's popping up in my head. I'm quoting you on Damn that. Damn it. Yeah. Uh, we'll, call it a, we'll call it in the 50s. 50s. A particular tobacco company decided to make filters for their cigarettes to make them safer, and they made them out of asbestos. <laughs> <laughs> so, so now you're smoking cigarette smoke filtered through asbestos yeah Jeez. And, and again keep in mind that back then you would have likely been called some sort of name if you even tried to address that this could be harmful no 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 the scientist said yep. that this was safe Okay, so I'm not, a, I'm not anti-science. I and want you, I want you, the listener. Oh, dear listener, dear listener, please, I beg you, and use a scientific mindset, okay? But if you are believing, quote, the science, swap out the science for the Bible uh, the, or the Quran, and you'll start to see that you, if you believe in the science, you're engaging in a religious form of science mm -hmm. as opposed to the method of science, which has a very particular steps and orders for disseminating information. And the whole point of science, guys, is to prove yourself wrong, not to prove things right. Mm -hmm. So when you hear all these studies that are coming out on the news that are proving right the thing that they are trying to nudge you to do, it might be in your best interest to be aware that that's not what science is for. Yeah. Scientific and, 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 studies are not for that. And uh, to have an open mind and open discussion on, have the ability to have an open mind and open discussion when it comes to the, the particular sciences. Because again, it's to your point, it's, it's, you know, you're trying to prove a hypothesis. And if there are other things out there that disprove a particular hypothesis, um, 
that needs to be looked at and yeah. considered. And, and again, yeah. just, just so we're clear, the point, if you are trying to, perf, per, to prove a hypothesis, you're actually not engaging in science. You have a hypothesis about what's real. And then you take in data and you look at data to see if it supports your hypothesis, but never should any good science, somebody that's practicing good science, be trying to prove a hypothesis mm -hmm. to be true because mm -hmm. that, that creates bias in the way that you're collecting and observing information. So again, we're trying to get at the fact that, that it's going on because like you're saying, you know, it's a, if you know, then you can start to make some different decisions, make different decisions. But the whole point that I'm going to make that I am making is that they'd prefer you not to know. Mm -hmm. They'd prefer you not to know about choice architects and about decisions that are being made on your behalf. They'd prefer you not to know the mechanics of how this works, because if you do, you may be less susceptible to the thing that they're working really hard to prove <laughs> that they can do. Yeah. All right. Now, um, this is, uh, as we're recording this, it's 2023. Uh, just, the New York Times added a native ad department to their team. You want to take a guess on when they added that department? 2020, 2021. They added it as early as 2015. Interesting. So the New York Times has actually been running native ads as content in the New York Times since when? 2015. So this is not new by any stretch of the imagination. And the fact that it's being practiced in the private sector you should know that that means research has been going on about this stuff for decades, mm -hmm. decades before it gets into the mainstream high-end culture in the private sector. But in the public sector, with governments, it's a different story. So anybody, I invite you to look this up. Now, is it, Brooks, how can you prove that there are people that are trying to nudge you without your consent? Well... You can Google right now, and even Google, the Choice Architect, will let you know that there is a government branch called the Nudge Unit in the United Kingdom right now. It exists. Dave, you, you, you seem to have some prior knowledge of this. No, I was totally unaware. I, I, I imagine, uh, I didn't know that there was a faction of the government specifically categorized to do this particular thing. It's more along the lines of... Uh, people having conversations and saying, hey, let's go do this. But I didn't know they were, you know, pulling up to a particular office building and that's their nine to five or seven to seven job is to camouflage the facts and drop propaganda bombs on us. That is entirely the point of these departments. Okay. Now, um, the, then the, the, the begging question here is, does the United States, surely the United no. States, which is all about freedom, would never try to get you to operate and do something without your consent. We've, uh, we had a president last administration named Donald Trump. Okay. I happen to know just because I've, I've read a bunch of uh, uh, books that he's written, or I guess ghost written. Um, he's actually an, uh, an expert in something called NLP. Mm -hmm. or neuro-linguistic programming. Do you know anything about this? I do. Yeah. So what was the, uh, forgetting your particular politics for just a second, try to think about narrative. What was the running narrative about Trump while he was in office? While he was in office? Yes. Um, 
the running narrative was he is, you know, dumb. He's an idiot. He says stupid stuff. He's, you know, uh, treats women terribly. He's doesn't know what he's doing. He's and if he got another term, it was going to be the end. End of the fucking world. End of democracy as we know it. If Trump got elected a second time, that was the (laughs) (laughs) well time. End of democracy. Okay, now. The reason that they said it, it would be he would use the government to create a tyrannical state and be able to enforce his desires onto the population. That was the narrative that was cast. Right. Pumped by the media. Pumped. 247. Super pumped. So I, I, I assumed that the Trump administration had a nudge unit or a nudge department. And uh, I was shocked. Color me shocked to find that actually... The first nudge unit that was at least publicly recognized was in 2015 in the Obama administration. Forbes, Forbes magazine, wrote an article about the Obama administration adding a nudge department to his administration where they brought the top behavioral scientists in the world to come and be a part of the, of the department. The top, top behavioral scientist and we're going to get into i have a clip later that we're going to get into the fun show of other ways that you can see behavior science and you can go see it with your eyes to know that this is possible but i just want to make clear that the first administration to do this just by fact is the obama administration and that when trump came to office he actually took that department out Hmm. so if you're trying to make the argument that he is wanting to use every tool at his disposal to try to turn his will into a tyrannical government, you'd think that the one thing that he would pump up would be the department to sway the entire country. But in, in fact, just in fact, he did, he did remove that. Uh, and then he lost the election mm-hmm. to uh, the Biden administration, who many people argue is a continuation of the the Obama Obama administration that was perfectly timed with the rise of a particular virus, okay, that also needed uh, to be combated against a particular medical device that you were nudged heavily to receive, yes, and uh, you might be... Uh, I, I wouldn't call what happened a nudge in that regard. <laughs> More like a fucking shove. shove yeah. <laughs> Pushed off the fucking yeah. cliff. Yes. <laughs> That's not a nudge, bro. Right. And actually, um, they did so by threatening citizens that they would be locked out of economy. Eventually. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and actually, uh, this will be a thread that we'll pick up on another show yep. about the importance and the how quickly certain governments were to lock you out of economy and mike should know this as a canadian as well as anybody they they froze the transfer of funds and money for the canadian truckers that was fucked up that was so fucked up so they are executing on their ability to control and disseminate and not just nudge but to actually shove you and they're doing it in broad daylight and the nudging that's going on the shoving is happening but the nudge that's happening is convincing you that that's in Mm -hmm. your best interest Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's the nudge 100 got it that's the nudge um, okay, so I do have one more clip in the serious side of things, um, and it's about, an, this is a mechanism that 
is often used in cinema, but it's also being used in many different areas of your life. And we need to talk about it. And uh, this is a clip from Mad Men. Did you ever watch that show? No. Fucking phenomenal show, bro. Mad Men. Again, if you if this conversation has interested you at all, definitely watch Mad Men and you'll see a cinematized version of the things that we're describing, which is they are cued in on how the mind and brain works and the types of mechanisms and buttons that they can push on people. So this one's do you have uh it's it's about nostalgia. Do you know what nostalgia means? Yeah. Yeah, uh, I don't know the t- technical definition, but looking backwards with uh, with heartfelt desire. Okay, perfect. I had him define it first because that I imagine. Can I get a head nod from people in the crowd? Is that what most people think that nostalgia means? Okay, go ahead and play the clip. Yeah. And Teddy told me the most important idea in advertising is new. Creates an itch. You simply put your product in there as a kind of calamine lotion. But he also talked about a deeper bond with the product. Nostalgia. It's delicate, but potent. Teddy told me that in Greek, Nostalgia literally means the pain from an old wound. Hmm. It's a twinge in your heart, far more powerful than memory alone. Hmm. So it's not looking back on something happily. It's looking back with the twinge of sadness or regret that it's no longer here or whatever. Yeah, pain. Pain from an old wound. Now, Dave, you are a level three enlifted uh, coach, okay? What do we know about what happens to people who stay stuck or reminded of wounds and pains of, of their past? You stay stuck, you stay hurt. Those traumas remain and things do not, uh, you don't move forward. You can't have clarity, space, creativity, none of that stuff. Now, why would we use a mechanism that we know keeps people stuck in old wounds and unable to move forward. Why would we do that collectively as a society? Got to hold the man down. Uh, And, you know, from a marketing standpoint, they had mentioned in that clip, uh, drop in a piece of something new, drop in the nostalgia, Uh, people don't typically change until it hurts bad enough to do it. Well, what I, I guess that you can call me a, uh, this is where my uh, conspiracy side comes in. I think culturally, if you were trying to control a population, keep them looking backwards, you always keep them stuck in their wounds. Yeah. And there's going to be words that we tackle in this show that are coming up that keep people stuck in those wounds. Words like, racism Mm -hmm. words like trans uh uh, transphobe homophobe these are all words that are used as mechanisms to keep you in old wounds divide so you cannot move forward correct and anyone and any politician that that says with their words that they are about moving forward and they are continuing to use nostalgia to keep you stuck in old wounds that's very disingenuous and it cannot work 
And I believe that they're doing it intentionally so it cannot work because it's working for them. Mm-hmm. It's working for them. And we will continue to dive into that as the show works, uh, as the show goes on. But as far as like a starting place for this show, I think, it, do, did we do a good job showing that you are being nudged without your consent? That this is a real thing that's happening. This is the first part that we just, getting the awareness is the first part. Yeah. You're being nudged without your consent. It is happening. And if you want it not to happen, then there's ways to empower yourself. And uh, with that, I think, uh, I think we're ready for our first producer break. Oh, man. Say it now. Here we go. <laughs> the commercial. Boys. Take it away, Brooksy. What are we I doing? just want to hear this out. I know, right? Oh. It's our commercial, guys. Yes. yes. We'll keep this playing. Oh, my God. This is so good. Okay. So in future iterations of the show, this is going to be the time where we thank you, dear listener, for supporting the show. Okay. And this show is using something that we're going to, that we call the value for value model. So if you've gotten value from just this show, guess what? You're going to be able to share that value back to us in one of three ways. Okay. You can share it back to us with your time. You can share it back to us with your talent. And you can share it back to us in our preferred, in our preferred value for value exchange. And that's treasure. Okay. We've committed, we're not going to sell you anything in the show. We're not going to sell you a thing. We are only going to provide value by having conversations like this and then having a fucking great time on the back end of the show. We're going to have an absolute ball, but we're simply asking if you want to support the show that you make a donation of your time, your talent, or your treasure. Here is how you could take your time to help the show. Notice I played some clips. So if you're listening to some really awesome content and you hear a clip or a soundbite of something that you think is super interesting and you want us to bring it up on the show, the most uh, best thing you could do is clip it, right? The second best thing you could do is timestamp it exactly and send us the reference so we can clip it. But if you can clip it, that would take a little talent. If you can clip it, send it to us. But just the fact that you're listening with this ear in mind, you can help us with your time. And you can also share it with other people. That yeah, is share the show. Listen time, to the yeah. show. Share the show. Bring it up when you're hanging out with your friends. You're like, oh, man, my friends Brooks and Dave are doing this awesome thing, this new type of podcast. I've never heard it before. So much fun. Okay? So uh, when it comes to your talent, I just mentioned clips. You can send us clips. Uh, if you, We're going to be doing some bits in the second half of this show. We're going to introduce some bits in the fun section of the show. But if you are really inspired by the bits, you can actually produce your own bits and send them to us, and I promise you we'll play them on the show. Our buddy Nate is sitting here in the crowd. Nate is a musician, right? He does uh, uh, breath uh, breath sessions that will just absolutely shoot to the moon. Nate could make a little jingle. He could add a little small little breath thing. He could send it to us, and that would be his value that he could create for the show. He's giving us his, his talent. And then the last one is treasure. So um, we, I, we are going to spend a lot of time on the show. Mike, Mike the Schwartz is giving his time, his talent, to be here to provide value for us as our producer. So first of all, I want to say thank you to you, Mike. Oh, boys, thank you. This has just been such a, such a real treat. Um, uh, I'd like to, I'd like to take a moment right now to just 
thank my fans. Um, <laughs> you guys have been you guys have been there through the the dark stuff. You've been there through through the light, and it's I mean, without you, I wouldn't be here today. Don't forget to thank your agent. Yeah, my agent. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. The agent and and number one, I'd like to thank myself. Right, hit that Snoop Dogg. That's right. <laughs> want to thank me for me. <laughs> I want to thank me, <laughs> and I want to thank Dave. I want to thank Dave yeah, for man. being such a such an awesome homie. Right back at you. Brother. So for the first four episodes, this is number one. For the next, this one and the next three more, we're not going to have any reads. If you donate with your treasure in the next month, if you donate above twenty dollars, we are going to call you an executive producer of this show. And we're going to go through the process of allowing you to receive credits so you could list yourself as an executive producer of this podcast and have it recognized on IMDb, okay? So that's something that you'll be able to do. Now, as you start to donate at the $1,000 level, we're going to give you special recognition and a special title. So over time, we're going to track all the donations for people that have been contributing to the show. And we are going to honor and recognize the people that support this show because you guys are as much a part of this show as we are. We are doing our value part. We need uh, your value in return in order to make this to make this work. And so if you donate $20 or more, you'll be able to leave us a note that we will read in this segment on the show. And I'm just telling you, you can say whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> and I know there's going to be some people that maybe want to send $20 just so they can say whatever the fuck they want and have it read to uh, the audience in my voice so they don't have to hear themselves say it. That's <laughs> <laughs> probably for the best. Yeah. And probably for the best. React. Yes, and get Dave to react. So yeah. if you donate 20 or more dollars, you can uh, leave us a note and we'll read it on the show. And then uh, we will do a second break in the later in the show, and that's for anybody that donated anywhere between a dollar and twenty dollars. And every dollar counts for this one. If you're receiving value, a ton of value, and a dollar is a ton of value for you in the moment. That's that's what this show is about. Deliver the value at the level that you are able to, and at the level that you're receiving it. And uh, somebody might get five hundred dollars of value and go, "Holy shit! This completely changed my mindset around something." Or we said something that helped them make a bunch of money, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Wow, that I got a lot of value out of the show. I'm going to send these guys five hundred dollars." Okay, like that is that would be very well received. Of course, we're not asking for five hundred, but if that's the value that you're getting, please please step up and deliver that value. And the way you can do that right now is simply through PayPal or Venmo. Both of them are at, are at Brooks Meadows. Okay, you can find me on PayPal at Brooks Meadows. You can find me on Venmo at Brooks Meadows or my email. I'll give you my email, brooks.a.meadows at gmail.com. You can look me up on both PayPal and Venmo and you can leave your note in the donation. And if you... If your donation note is too long, email it to me, mm-hmm. and that way we'll we'll match the donations with the notes, and we'll make sure everybody gets read. Beautiful. And Dave, you got a good voice. We'll let Dave. Dave obviously. I'll read, read a some couple of notes. notes here. Come on. I think I think Dave's got a great voice. Here, Dave, give me one sec. Yes. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I didn't see that coming. <laughs> great voice. Great voice. 
Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh my God. Yeah, you know. Maggie. That's so all right. Yeah. Everybody, everybody that donates over twenty dollars, you're going to be an executive producer, and uh, yeah, we're going to have a lot of fun on the show. You are going to make this fun because we're going to have lots of bits in the fun section, and we're we're going to debut them very soon. But uh, I, I think I did a good job explaining the Great value for value, job, bro. You yeah, feel like you know what we're doing? Hell yeah! Time, talent, treasure. Time, talent, and treasure. That's what we need. Guys, so much goodness. So much goodness. Here. <sighs> we're ready for the fun section, man. Let's get it. Let's get some some fun music queued up. <sighs> Some well, fucking fun music. I mean, we got some options here, boys. Want some some Mark England fun? Not yet. No, not that kind of fun. Not Jesus. yet. I mean, he's super fun. Well, I you mean, just got to have the deck ready of all uh, of your catalog. I don't, I don't just know. Like, oh man, there's too many to pick from, dude. I was going through like 400 of these things yesterday. Let's let's just put some. Uh, here we go. Let's let's just. For now. Oh, for the record. For the record. Yeah, for the record. I was just gonna say. Yeah, give us the beat. For, for the record, all of the don't. I mean, we're we're only gonna do our first read on the fifth show. So you'll have four shows to send. We're gonna collect donations for the first four shows, and then again we'll read them on the fifth show. So yep, if you yep. do make a de- donation at like right after hearing this show, and you don't hear us read it on the next show, just know that we're doing four shows ahead of time, mm-hmm. and then we're gonna do our read on the fifth week. We promise we won't forget you. We I will promise. Remember. And if we and if we do on an it'll be accidental. We'll do a make good. Totally. Totally. I got a good idea here. All right. Just gonna play this guy. Cause like this is the theme, right? And I wanna share a little story about this one here, right? This is Catalina Crunch. And if you guys remember the Catalina Crunch, the first time I ever saw what a Catalina Crunch was, and you guys rolled up looking like you're looking right now into the lake house. And I was like, look at these motherfuckers. Gangsters. And I just had this this thought. I was like Mm. Let's bring this bad boy in. So this one's called Catalina Crunch. And I, I like this. I like this. It's jam such a bop, dude. Right? It is an absolute bop. Boom. Oh, that's right. some good bass, dude. Oh, yeah. All right, we're going to get a little looser on this section. We're going to get a little looser. This is the fun section, Brooks. This is the fun section. Dave, I saw Dave's ears. (laughs) uh, His his shoulders rolled back. He's 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 feeling good. He's ready to go. He's ready to have some fun. All right, so this isn't a serious clip, and it's going to be on the long side. I tend to want to keep clips in the, you know, 15 to 90 second range. We're going to need to sit back for this one uh, because, one, it's fun, and I'm going to set it up. But, two, it's, it's also going to show you another area of life to prove because that's what this show is about to prove to you that this is happening and there are people that know how to do this uh i have a clip from a guy named darren brown have you ever heard this name dave that sounds familiar but i'd be guessing in a wild guess if i guessed okay so let me set darren brown up darren brown is a british mentalist <laughs> slash uh, magician slash illusionist. I would have guessed wrong. Okay. So he had, he think about him as like Britain's first like street magic show. Uh, David Blaine type guy. Exactly. Yeah. Where he would do certain illusion things. They weren't the exact same like type that someone like he did, but uh, they were clips of him like walking up to somebody and through a very brief exchange they're handing him all of their jewelry all of their wallets and he sends them on down the street they walk about half a block and realize like why the fuck did i just give this guy all of my stuff okay so he had tons if you look up darren brown and that's d e 
B-R-R-E-N Brown, Darren Brown from the UK, you'll start to see that this guy's got a long, long history. I discovered Brown, uh, Darren Brown like 2010. He's got a long history of being on TV in the UK uh, with his own show. And this particular clip is taken from a show where he had another famous Brit, uh, Simon Pegg, who uh, has done things like... Oh, he was in that, uh, that spoof... Oh, what was that that British humor spoof? They do the zombie spoof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's in. He's he's funny guy. Walk of the Dead or yeah, Night yeah, of the yeah. Dead or something. You know, like something like that. Talking like Monty Python way back then. No, not no, that. No. Not that far back. He Talking was like the Ali G, around that era. I remember the Ali G show. Absolutely, they did like Hot Fuzz. Hot Fuzz, yeah, yeah that's the Hot Fuzz. That's, did, that's the funny. Never oh, heard yeah. of them. Well, oh man, <laughs> yeah, you'd probably, yeah, you probably recognize it. But what this is is this is a clip. Uh, taken from his show where Simon Pegg came on Darren Brown's show and uh, the setup is this he's going to have Simon Pegg uh, talk about what he wanted for Christmas and the whole thing I'll just I think the clip will speak for itself so we'll get up Darren Brown Simon Pegg alright here we go Imagine if instead of trying to work out what your complicated friends want for their birthdays, you could just go out and get whatever you like and then convince them that that's what they want. Life would be so much easier. And if you come and take a seat just over here. Just Just there. Thank you very much. Excellent. So, uh, we spoke on the phone uh, a few days ago. Yes. And I asked you uh, to write down something you'd like for your birthday. Yes. I also asked you to sign the back of it when I spoke to you and gave you these instructions so that basically when you brought it with you today, which I hope you have done, you Uh know that no one's going to steam it open or switch it or do anything with it. Absolutely. All kept secret? Very much so. Excellent. All right. Well, I have bought you a present. (laughs) Now, don't get overexcited. It is in the big box behind you. Right. Right. <laughs> it may be a small present in a big box, right. or it may be a big present in a big box. Okay. The size of the box will not necessarily give you any clues. Sure. All right. When you walk into a shop and you see something that you know you have to have, mm-hmm. what is that feeling like? Describe it for me. Uh, I guess it's quite sort of sudden, and you sort of you, you have a, a definite um, positivity about it, and often you'll go away and see other things, but then you come back to the thing you saw first, and Excellent. it's like you know. Well, just take that feeling. I just sort of amplified a bit for me because it is a really good feeling. It's okay. important to understand that feeling of positivity that sure. you describe. Okay. Um, and also, very nice to meet you and thank you for coming on the show. Let me explain to you how I buy gifts or presents for people, all right? And this is the best way to handle, bar none, the, the, the problem of, you know, what to settle for when you're going to buy gifts for somebody that's a little bit difficult to buy for, all right? Now, what I do is rather than recycle the same sort of two tired bottles of wine or, or box of chocolates, which are no fun to receive, I go out and I buy anything, and then I make that person fall in love with it, all right, by creating a strong feeling of desire for that object. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. And it absolutely works. They get all sort of pumped up, you know, they get that feeling of that positivity you were describing. They beam excitement for it. Um, and, you know, it's a win-win thing because they get a present that they love and, you know, I get rid of some stuff out the back of my kitchen cupboard or whatever. What I want you to really understand about this, because it's important, is that that feeling is so strong, can be so extreme that it can replace the memory of what they actually wanted. So even though two days before they may have said, I want X, whatever that is, you know, like a really nice car, like a BM or an Xbox or something like that, something they really wanted, suddenly now they think they always wanted what I got them. You know, and they're like, well, why would I want another car or an Xbox? That'd be useless to me. And suddenly this thing is useless to them because they're so delighted and surprised by what I got them that they forget what they originally wanted. Does that make sense? It actually replaces that memory. Yes. Yeah, yeah. excellent, cool. Good, so. 
You can have anything you like. What's your dream present? The BMX bike. A BMX bike? Yes. That'd be fantastic. And that would make you feel great, wouldn't it? It would fulfill a childhood dream. Really? Is it a childhood dream to have one? <laughs> yeah, I never excellent. got one when I was a kid. You never got one when you were a kid, so it'd be great to have one. Okay. Do you want to have a look? Yes. Yes, excellent. Come on, have a look. Ready? Yes. What colour did it What did you have in mind? Red. Red? Yeah. Have a look. <laughs> Nice and light. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he pulled out a red BMX bike. Sort of thing he had in mind? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was this really a childhood dream to have one? <laughs> yeah, it was. Oh, you got all red. I'm <laughs> just amazed. I was just no, no, slightly I'm, uh, I'm delighted. Well, a happy birthday. I hope it's. Uh, I don't know a lot about bikes, so I hope it's the right sort. And uh, out of interest, what did you write? I originally? got it with me if I still. And what, what did you what I did wrote you write? a BMX bike, is what I wrote. So when you came in here, you were wanting a BMX bike? <laughs> yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's probably not the case. If you can detach okay. yourself from what's happened here a little bit, was it really a BMX bike you wanted when you came in? That's what I'd written down, yeah. You may have done, right. but that's very unlikely. Are you sure? If you think back, are you sure you're right? BMX bike is what you want. That absolutely feels right, isn't it, when you think about what you want? Yeah, absolutely, because yes. that's what I wrote down, and yeah. that's why I'm so flabbergasted that it's there. Take it out, have a look. No one's touched this, have they? Where's it been, <laughs> Where's it been since you wrote it? It's been in my wallet. In your wallet. Go on, have a look. No, even. I'm shaking. Let's just have a look at the back. You, know, you signed your name across it. This is the date and the time. It was ten past one on Saturday. Ten past one last Saturday. Okay. Yeah. But genuinely, you haven't, no one's touched this since you wrote it. No, because I signed it over here, so you couldn't do it. Let's just have a look. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. Nine bay jacket. Leather jacket. Did you want leather jacket? No, I wanted a BMX. <laughs> so why did you write leather jacket? I didn't. You didn't write leather jacket? That's your handwriting. That's my it? handwriting as well. This is what you want. This yeah? is what I want, yeah. Alright, any idea why you wrote that? No. That gives you that feeling of yes. spontaneous positivity. <laughs> that. Yes? Not yes. this. You don't want no. that. That's useless to you. Absolutely. So you're happy with your present? As am I. Congratulations and happy birthday. Take it. Excellent. Alright, credit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what the fuck? That's some magic shit right there. Dude. What? Is it magic? I don't know. Influence. Ooh. All right, I got to give me some gin, give me some first gut reaction to that video. There's uh. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I don't know I how I fucking did told yeah. you. I don't know how I did that shit. <laughs> he does. Yeah. He does. And guess what? He is not the only one on earth that knows how to do that. Totally. He's one of the only ones that decided to do it on camera and can get away with it. Yeah. Darren Brown studies behavioral science. He studies the things that Sigmund Freud studied. He studies the things that Edward Bernays studied. Okay. He studies magic. So I looked up a little bit on magic, actually, and uh, fuck, it took me into a bit of a rabbit hole because uh, magicians and I looked up what a mentalist does, and it said mentalists basically use conjuring, which is a magic word. Mm -hmm. They use conjuring to influence people. Okay, so uh, I think I've done my part that these <laughs> that there are people on this earth that can actually do this. Yeah. All right. And, and just for fun, like truly just for fun, get into Darren Brown. This is re it's super fascinating. And that's 
I've been looking into this stuff for 12 years now, at the very least, because I discovered him for myself in 2010. So there are countless uh, videos of him doing this. Yeah, and I mean, you think about like magic tricks and whatnot. You think about like sleight of hands and putting attention one place while very obviously there's something going on here, but you're looking did to you, the left um, versus did, to the did, right. Did you happen to close the video or did you just pause it? Just pause it. Play the rest of it. Yeah, I think dude. he gets into what he does, exactly how yeah, he yeah. does it. Yeah. Yeah, 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 here we go. <laughs> oh my God. I'm genuinely a bit freaked out in a nice way. I came in here thinking, if I can suss this out, if there's some kind of thing going on that, that you know, I can work out logically. I'm just going to do it, and you know, I'm not going to be an ass about it. I'm going to play along, and <laughs> but I'm just, I'm stunned. That's definitely my right, and that's my J. And I never, I've got no need for a leather jacket, and I don't know what's going on. What's my name? He's going to have me in a pickle jar by two. I know it. <laughs> keep, 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 keep it going. Keep it going. So, if you found yourself wanting a BMX too, this is probably why. Very nice to meet you and thank you for coming on the show. Let me explain to you how he breaks his handshake to break the. He breaks his handshake, and this is the best you in a hypnotic state. He starts tapping him on certain words. When you're going to buy gifts for somebody that's a little bit difficult to buy for. Listen for it. Now what I do is rather than recycle the same sort of two tired bottles of wine or box of chocolates, which are no fun to receive, I go out and I buy anything. And then I make that person. He's got pictures of it, right? that are things that look like bikes in his eye line. For that object, does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, and it absolutely works. They get all sort of pumped up. You pumped know, they up, get that and he's tapping him when he says the magic words. They beam excitement for it. Um, and, beam excitement. You know, it's a win-win excitement. thing. They get a present that they love, and you know, I get rid of some stuff out the back of my kitchen cupboard or whatever. But what I want you to really understand about this is that that feeling is so There's strong that are so red extreme in the room. that it can replace so extreme. the memory of what they actually wanted. So even though two days before they may have said, I want X, whatever that is, you know, like a really nice car, like a BM or an Xbox or something like that, right. something they really wanted, suddenly now they think they always wanted what Fuck. I got. Does that make sense? Yeah. Dude. Yeah. yeah, excellent, cool. Fuck. Good, so you can have anything you like. What's your dream present? BMX bike. Dude. Dude. You wow. can't see it, but my mouth, my I, I jaw dropped. I had a jaw drop moment. Yes. What the fuck? <laughs> yep. Oh my so he's God, tapping dude. him when he's saying particular words. So the first thing that he does, just so I can kind of like break it down, is that uh, one of a very, a very common technique if you want to put somebody in a more influential uh, a state that will influence them is you break a pattern that they're used to completing that's really subtle. And in this case, the pattern is shaking someone's hand. So uh, I learned this in martial arts as a self-defense technique. If you see somebody that's like really big and brash and like causing a big problem at the bar while they're drunk, if you walk up with a big smile and extend your hand like, hey, man, what's going on? 90, like 95% of the time, that person it trips them into a pattern where they reach out to complete the handshake. Like they know you like, who the fuck is this guy? He's just like all big and smiles. And that's when you would like, you know, kind of take them down and, mm. and like, you know, calm down. So he breaks his handshake right out of the gate. He, he grabs it with his right hand and then switches it into his left hand and just holds it in suspension for just a moment. Suspension like a bike suspension <laughs> and then he sits him down and then he sits him down and, and there's things that are red and there's things that are round and there's all these things that uh, subliminally you're constructing into a red BMX bike and he starts singing, saying things like you beam and he hits him when he says beam he taps him beam with excitement things are too tired these are the sorts of things that 
subliminally construct the uh, idea of a bike in your mind, and because he's attaching it with emotions, you he literally replaced his desire with a new desire of his choosing. And guys and gals, that is happening to you every fucking day. There are people that are trying to do this to you. It's <laughs> a beautiful, beautiful fucking magic show out here. Wow. And we need to be able to dispel, dispel. to cast out. Yes, to cast out the, the, the dark spells. And one way that we like to do that is with our words. So if you're going to cast out spells or you're going you're gonna, to uh, you know, dispel other things, you gotta, you got to watch your mouth, all right? So we got our first segment, our first uh, authentic bit of the show. Mar- our buddy Mark England's a regular. He's, our, he's one of our friends. Let, t- tell, Dear friend. Tell him about Mark, man. Tell, tell him a little about Mark. Most people that are here are this going to know Mark anyway, but out the gate, yeah, out the gate. But but yeah. for people that are hearing this in the future, don't know who Mark is. How do how do we know Mark? Uh, Mark is a uh, Richmond, Virginia resident, this which is where we are. This is where we are. Rock my, Central. My hometown, no doubt. We're in Rock Central, River City, baby. Music RBA, Fit Studios. RBA. Oh yeah. Uh, Mark and I actually went to rival high schools. A Fuck Midlow. <laughs> <laughs> if you know, you know. Yeah. Ten, year, 10 years ahead of me. 10 years ahead of me. Uh, he is a world-class language expert and has developed the system of, um, of breaking down the words we use and the stories we tell ourselves. He created uh, a couple companies called Procabulary and Enlifted. He's a, a dear friend and mentor of, of mine personally and uh, rad dude. Well, this is We're our... airstrike in this bitch. <laughs> Where we take it. Yeah. He's also a great recording artist. Watch your mouth, bitches. Watch your mouth, fools. Watch your mouth, punk. Yeah, I'll, I'll figure it out. Plus, <laughs> <laughs> I just put that together today, so uh, dude, it's it, so good. It'll it'll, uh, it'll get better and better as the show goes on. So Mark thank you. Legendary yeah. voice notes. Yeah. Which my my only regret <laughs> of having a light phone is that I do not receive Mark England voice notes anymore. All right, well you you could. Do you know this? You could receive voice notes. You just have to make your iMessages to your email. Mm. Yeah, okay. and when you do your iMessages to your email, if you're on Wi-Fi, you can get voice notes. So right. we got to get that back in. Okay. So that yes, Mark is notorious for sending voice notes. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. so if you receive some random Mark England voice note love, and you'd love to save that voice note and send it to us, it may end up on a future iteration oh, of definitely. Watch Your Mouth with Mark England. <laughs> Give us your time. This is our time and Give your, us your t- okay. talent. So Mark is giving us his time and talent by sending us voice notes that he knows are going to be used as Watch Your Mouth segments. And so here's our first rendition of Watch Your Mouth with Mark England. Hey everybody, Mark England with Enlifted here, and I want to talk to you today about curse words or cursing. I've got a potty mouth. I'm the first person to admit it. And sometimes people say, hey, you got a potty mouth. And I'm like, yeah, I know. But get a load of this. What's worse, an F-bomb or an act, so a curse word or a curse? Because guess what? Nobody will ever really love me 
will have a whole lot worse effect on somebody's mindset, their outlook, their identity, than the occasional piece of four-letter spicy language. This is Mark England with Enlifted here, signing off, telling you once again to watch your fucking mouth. <laughs> play us out with that. Play, play us yeah, out. Play it say, again. We got this. We're we got this. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> Fuck yeah. We're speaking the same language. Watch your mouth, bitches. Watch your mouth, fools. Who the fuck is this guy? Choir boy. Yeah, I'll figure it out. Yeah, I'll figure it out. God, I love this shit. That's so fucking funny. That was good, boys. If you... This is this show is going to be chock full of bits. No fun section. The fun section is going to be short on this one just because we're just getting started. But uh, so far, we've had a great clip uh, that that is about magic and, and illusionism, but it ties into the show. We've had our first bit called "Watch Your Mouth" with Mark England, which is fan- phenomenal. It's going to continue. And if you're out there, like I said, send me if you have them in the archive. Please send me some of Mark England's gems. He started saying stuff that was too hot for Instagram, so we had to give him a platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have one more bit, one more uh, thing that we're going to do in the fun section of the show. And then we'll close it out by previewing the next show. Mike, mm. we didn't do a jingle for this one. No. Nope. Uh, but we need a jingle for Bopper Flop. All right. Well, I'll put that together for the next one. I mean, we can just go right into the Bopper Flop. I mean, it's, yo, this is... This is just a great opportunity for anybody, again, speaking about producers, anybody that's literally a producer. You got a bop? We're going to put that shit up on the show. And you're going to get either roasted or you're going to get bopped. <laughs> so put your song out. I'm going to start the, I'm gonna start the way with, this is, uh, with this a bop. Is, this is bop or flop, everybody. Yeah, bop or flop. Is this a bop or a flop? You tell me, you know? <laughs> Here we go. I love freestyle, but you give me five minutes, I'll tell you. Been in pad, Next man. time. All right, well, what, what, do you, what do you think, boys? I mean, that's a bopper. That's a, that's I mean, I'm, I'm literally bopping. <laughs> that's a good sign, man. So that's a good sign. Yeah, man. Let it play out, man. This is beautiful. And in fact, since it's a bop, we're going to let this play us out. It's going to play us out. I like that. That was our first episode of the Serious Fun Podcast. That one's the nudge department. If you loved what you heard, please support the show. Please. Hit me up on PayPal. Hit me up on Ven- on Venmo at Brooks Meadows, brooks.a.meadows at gmail.com. Next week, we're getting into some cons- conspiracy realisms. Yes. Dan, one of Dave's favorite topics. We're going to yes. get on to some conspiracies. I have an interview that I did with Mark England about this topic. So we're going to have a fresh watch your mouth with Mark England. We're going to have some clips about conspiracies, and we are going to dismantle the victim mentality and we are going to make your life so much better so much less serious and way way more fun way more fun mike schwartz anything you got to hit with the feet hit the people with before oh, we get out of here yeah we got we got some we got some all i gotta say is this boys 
Fuck yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't be a produced show no, live. It would, it, it would not be a live produced show if you didn't have the horn. Yeah. All yeah, right. no, I got I got nothing, boys. This was just a, a ton of fun. What what a what a way to go. What a way to be. What a way to live. Amen. Love you guys. Thanks for listening. Yeah. See you guys next time. Chop chop. Serious fun. <laughs>